Hello, this is Pastor Deb. Thank you for joining us in another episode of Biblically Speaking Politically. Everyone seems to have a perspective on the issue of abortion. And most of the views are based on either the rights of the unborn child or women's rights. Even hearing the hearts and frame of mind of Christians, regardless of which side they support, all seem to have missed a very essential perspective. First, I think we need to tackle the rights of the government concerning the womb of a woman and an embryo. Our government is mandated to govern the citizens of this land so that we can live in a perfect union. To become a citizen of these United States, you either have to be born here or go through the proper legal channels to gain citizenship. Based on the legality of United States citizenship, an unborn child is out of the governing jurisdiction of the government. However, the unborn child is still under the complete jurisdiction of the kingdom of God, making the welfare and the well-being of every unborn child an issue between the mother and God. Abortion may be a sin, but it is a sin to be handled solely under the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God. Our government has a lot of responsibilities and concerns that need their immediate attention concerning children born in this country who are in fact legal citizens. Why are we so up in arms concerning abortion over these crucial issues of the children that reside in our country now? Is it because the issue of abortion gives us the opportunity to present ourselves as more than righteous? As more religious or more committed to God than another? Some people use biblical mandates and God as a pawn in their game to justify their means. So the tainted, self-righteous minds of politicians have determined that the best way to deal with this sinful issue is to remove it as an option. We have lost all spiritual consciousness if we think limiting the access to sin will stop sin as if God would have never thought of that. We have bought into an illusion that we, with our greater-than-God, self-sufficient, backward-thinking selves, have figured it all out. So what do we do now? Maybe we should be bold enough to go before the throne of God and declare, by God, I think we've got it. Y'all go right ahead, but count me out. In John chapter 8, when the church folks, you know, those the righteous folks, wanted to stone the woman that they brought before Jesus because they caught her in an act of adultery. They never even made mention of the man who had to be present if adultery was in fact going on. See, they just felt the need to put unrighteousness on display while they appear righteous. 
They were not really concerned with the righteousness of God, similar to the political agendas that we see today. True righteousness is bound by consistency and absent of hypocrisy. Jesus didn't fall for the, the deception then that they were trying to use, and God certainly is not accepting of it today. Notice in the scripture that Jesus' only response was, ye without sin cast the first stone. The womb of a woman and its content is not an issue for our government to tackle. It is a God issue. And as children of God, we need to learn to stay in a child's place. Free will is a gift from God. Even our constitution acknowledges that as the open passage of our constitution reads, we the people of the United States in order to perform a perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. Liberty is described in our Constitution as a blessing, solidifying our liberty is from God. Liberty aligns with the gift of God's free will. God put in place his laws, mandates, and commandments, and he holds us responsible for how we utilize our gift. This has been consistent since Adam. In Genesis 2, 15 through 17, the word of God reads, So the Lord God took the man and settled him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may eat freely the fruit from every tree of the garden, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. Now, God could have simply not put the tree in the garden or made it inaccessible to Adam, but he didn't. Nowhere in the Bible will we find where God ever made anything unavailable to us. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that God ever told rulers, kings, or governments to remove anything that would tempt the people to sin against him. Why? Because free will is the initiating component that magnifies true love. Let's take a closer look at the gift of free will from a different perspective. Imagine for a moment, whether you're single or married, if you're single, just imagine you're married for the sake of this example. Imagine you and your spouse married for 10, 20, 30 years and have built an incredible life together. And then one day your spouse says, I want to be honest with you about something. I only married you because I had no other choices. Even in your current state of happiness, those words and that truth would be a gut punch. Indeed, not a romantic or loving gesture. 
God doesn't want us to obey his word because we have no other choices. He wants us to follow his word and choose his ways despite the available options. Do you think that we serve a God who couldn't remove all sin and the temptations of this world with one wave of his hand, but he hasn't, has he? In John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. If keeping God's commandments were our only option, that would not be evidence of our love for him just evidence of a lack of options. Another thought. Would you want to spend eternity with someone you didn't know for sure, you know, like loved you? Without free will, the certainty of love is non-existent. Christian doctrine, our relationship with God, and our very soul's salvation all rests on the promise of eternity in the kingdom of heaven. Now there is no question. God's love for us is evident. God wants and deserves to know if our love for him is genuine before he welcomes us into his home to spend eternity with him. The genuineness of love is based on the choices that we make. Real love elevates despite the temptations. Real love chooses love, even though another path seems more effortless or appealing. It's easy to proclaim love when there are no other options. A love that can't be tested can't be trusted. When God said, if you love me, keep my commandments, he was essentially saying, if you truly love me, trust the boundaries that I have put in place are for your good and my glory and choose to govern your choices accordingly. True love, plain and simple, is embedded in free will. The issue of abortion has more to do with the divine plan of God and his gift of free will and less to do with women's rights. In Acts 7.51, it reads, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, always resist the Holy Spirit, but as your fathers did, so do you. It is made very clear in this passage that God himself does not restrict our free will. So much so that we can opt to embrace or resist even the Holy Spirit. We should never for a moment think that anything ever catches God by surprise. Our free will gift is a gift from an all-knowing God who knew we would use it to sin against him, yet he still gave it to us. And despite our repeated acts of disobedience and disregard for one another, he has never rescinded his gift. If we're going to stop abortions because we say, it is sinful and it sheds innocent blood and takes the life of an innocent 
baby, then we have to recognize that truth and righteousness are undergirded by consistency. So let's make it unlawful for anyone to own or possess any kind of gun. Even let hunters go back to using bows and arrows because guns have caused the shed of innocent blood and lives. Let's clean our shells off of all alcoholic beverages, making it illegal to make, buy, or sell because alcoholic beverages have caused the shed of innocent blood and lives. Let's also stop the sales, purchase, and usage of all prescription drugs because addiction to prescription drugs has caused the shed of some innocent blood and lives. And let's not forget to call for a shutdown in the media industry because there is content that has been produced, is being produced, and will continue to be produced and available through social media outlets, video games, television shows, movies, and even musical lyrics that have encouraged actions and reactions that have ended with the shed of innocent blood and lives. And since we know that most abortions are done on single women, meaning biblically speaking, they either fornicated or committed adultery. So let's make sure we outlaw fornication and adultery and impose strict laws and penalties with a, which apply to both men and women so that there is less of a need for even the consideration of abortion. Now this is starting to sound a bit ridiculous and out of hand, is that what you're thinking? Our minds are programmed not to see past violating each other's rights without considering that every sin is first against God. The free will gift that God gave us, as crazy as it sounds, extends to us a God-given right to yes, even sin against him. When we choose to utilize our free will to commit a crime against another, which violates their freedom, their free will, life or livelihood, our government who is mandated to protect its citizens is just in reprimanding and punishing all criminal activity. Sin is not the will of God or the will for our lives. But we can be sure that before he created us, he knew he would, we would use our gift to violate his will. But again, he who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and perfect still chose to give us free will. So we have to conclude that our free will is so purpose-filled and exists as part of a much larger plan than we will ever truly grasp. In Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9, the scripture reads, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We want to proclaim to be worried about people perishing, 
The remedy for that is trust God's will. Trust God's way and follow God's plan. And making sin inaccessible, he has never made part of his plan. Hosea 4 and 6 reads, My people perish for the lack of knowledge. If we are truly committed to stopping people from perishing, from the womb to the rocking chair, we have to stop the hypocrisy in and out of the church, in and out of politics, and begin to exalt the true word and knowledge of God. If the government takes away the free will of a woman to choose abortion because they deem it unrighteous, then in the spirit of righteousness, what light are they willing to shed? Because true righteousness always sheds light. In Daniel 12 and 3, the scripture reads, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heaven. So is our government prepared to erase the cost of childbirth? And since our government wants to declare they are obligated to protect the child in the womb, then upon conception, is the government prepared to allow the mother to name their unborn child, issue a birth certificate along with the social security number, and allow the mother to begin to claim the child on their taxes while still in the womb? Is the government prepared to guarantee that every child will have access to a college education in the field of their choice without the debt of student loans? Is our government prepared to provide all single mothers with free childcare? This is what righteousness and light and darkness looks like. Outlawing abortions will not save the lives of babies. Since the beginning of time, humans have been diligent about pursuing whatever they determine their minds to do. This is an incredible characteristic. But again, free will allows us to use every aspect of our being as we choose. So abortions will still go forth, just not in a safe manner not in safe environments, not under safe conditions, essentially costing the lives of women who are already mothers, grandmothers, sisters, students, teens, daughters. It's an ugly trade-off. And according to the word of God, we have no authority to determine one life more valuable than another. The life of a priest is no more valuable than the life of a junkie in a crack house who just snatched a woman's purse. James 2 verses 1 through 4 reads, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. The scripture goes on 
and says, suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you sit here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil All life is valuable because God created all life with purpose. And exalting one life over another disrespects God, our creator. We are charged as believers to spread the gospel with the intent of allowing the hearing of the word to transform lives and save souls, not by the force of our minds or our hands. In all actuality, don't take this the wrong way. We have more reason to be worried about the soul of the woman seeking an abortion than the life of the unborn child. As believers, we know the soul of the unborn child will return to God. It's the soul of the mother that is uncertain. Regardless of anyone's choices, we as children of God are charged to be there for them, sharing the gospel with love and gentleness, not ridicule, judgment, or shame. A woman who makes the choice to abort a pregnancy, her choice does not determine her soul's final destination because as long as she has life, forgiveness is available and the kingdom of God is an option for her eternity. I want to close as I read Hebrews 13 and 2. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. As children of God, we should be committed to exalting everything we do, everything we say, every action and reaction in a manner that gives God the glory. Be blessed. <laughs>